this is Extreme Voltage. My name is D. Malconian, and we are glad you're with us. It's April 29th, 2021. It is close to 3 o'clock West Coast time. We are just a couple of hours away from the NFL 2021 draft night for the first round, and we are excited. We're going to break that down today as a Chargers fan. We're going to talk all about our future picks coming up here uh, the next couple of days. But first, want to go ahead and debrief some of the free agent pickups we had earlier uh, these last few months. We haven't had a chance to digest some of these. Our last podcast uh, really dealt with what we needed, uh, specifically some off- offensive line work and what was going to happen with Hunter Henry. And if you've missed any of those episodes, please feel free to go back and, and check those out. Get a glimpse of what we're talking about here. But as always, you make the show work. We appreciate everyone following us, especially around the country and around the world. Really uh, love to see all these Charger fans uh, logging on and and jumping on our our bandwagon, and we'd love to hear from you. And as always, you make this show work. We appreciate everyone following us. If you'd like to ever get in touch with us and contact us, please do so at extremevoltage at gmail.com. Otherwise, we're going to break down this free agency haul that we had here. And, you know, Tom Telesco did it right. He, He went after the weakest link that we have right now, which is our offensive line. And obviously, we, you know, this is a complete rebuild with the exception of Brian Balaga on the right side, uh, second year of the contract, right? And this is a complete rebuild. Uh, with the exception of Brian Balaga, this whole line is going to be brand new, which is definitely what we need, especially how pathetically bad this offensive line was last year for protecting uh, the franchise superstar in Justin Herbert and even establishing any type of a strong running game uh, for Austin Eckler and company. So this is this is huge. So goodbye for a slamp. Uh, goodbye, Dan Feeney. Um, this is a rebuild happening as we speak. And with that, Corey Lindsley, uh, center from Green Bay, who comes in at five-year deal, $62.5 million. Uh, that's a huge contract, the highest as a center in the league as of now. And he joins us at uh, this Charger group. And, and center is such a crucial position on the O-line. We always keep hearing left tackle and so forth. But a center position is, is as you've heard in the past, he is the quarterback of, of that O-line. And he's going to make those calls, those stunt calls, those uh, any type of protection schemes that, that they're seeing out there. He's recognizing and communicating without a strong center uh, that has intellectually uh, very smart center and realizes what, what defenses we're going after and what that uh, defensive line is doing against them and what the linebacking crew is doing. That's going to be the issue. Blitz pickup and so forth, that is key. Without a strong intellectual center, forget about it. It's not going to work. Uh, so this is, a, this is a great sign. Of course, Mar- uh, Pouncey, um, w- which we had a couple years back, we were hoping was going to be developed into that mold, and, and he was right there with it, but injuries derailed his career. So hopefully Lindsley coming in from um, from Green Bay will bring us that that solid center work that we need. So that's great work. Uh, on the left guard side, uh, Matt Filer uh, comes in from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and I'm excited about this. He's a young young cat, three years, 21 million, and he's going to solidify that left side now. He was very um, very well thought of at Pittsburgh, and that was a really good free agency signing. Get a young guy like that to come in and to work that that that's going to be a great situation. So three years, 21, really strong contract for for Matt, and that that's going to be a good deal there. And Matt Fowler is only 29 years of age, so those guys age well. He's right at his prime for for a nice um, offensive lineman to be in the fold for the next three years. So we're looking good on that end. Uh, lastly, uh, Ode Abushi uh, comes in, and he's a journeyman center right from Detroit Lions, um, but he's held his own. And he, of course, the Chargers uh, gave him a one-year contract, which I think at this time that's 
that's sufficient. Um, he's not the guy that we're looking for. That's gonna, that's going to be the guy of the future. Uh, but hey, guess what? They've given one point six million. He's thirty years old. Get in there for one year. Solidify the spot. Hold it for yourself. If that's what it takes, and and you're the guy, then get the extension for two years. You're the guy, right? So it's a it's a it's a prove it deal. But I think he walks in as a starter here on the right guard side, which we need strong, stealthy guard. That's going to work for us. Who's who's proven in the in the league? So that's a good pickup as well. Uh, solid on that end. So obviously the blaring and glaring hole is that left tackle spot, right? With Trey Pipkins um, still sitting there in the in the off on the roster. You know, look, Trey is still a very young guy. What's his third year coming in this year? Which is fine. Uh, we have him for four years uh, as a third round draft pick. Great. Let him sit again. Let him watch. Let him learn. Maybe get him in there from some swing tackle positions. Um, this kid can still be good. Third round draft pick is a solidly high value of a pick to make for a project. Uh, so you're going to have to believe this kid's going to do it. He's not a fifth or sixth round pick, which they, they took a flyer on. This is a third round pick, a second day pick. That means they saw something in him that said, hey, this guy can do it. He's got the intangibles. He's got the tangibles. He's a big kid who can man that left side. And quite honestly, he's been playing both. Uh, a lot, a lot. I saw a lot of the right side for him as well. And that's not easy to do, especially a young kid like that, to go from one side to the other. It really is a difficult process to make. Uh, so I think he's really a naturally a left tackle. That's what he played in college. So I think if they really keep him solidified at that spot, or if they want to move him to right, and make him a right tackle, but at least give him the reps and, and the preparation for that spot to take over Balaga's spot. That's fine too, but just give this kid a lot of work uh, in regards to practices, uh, get him some good game speed going in, in preseason, and hopefully we're not going to be using him this year. Hopefully it'll be another third-year project for us, and maybe next year, well, we expect by next year to take over that that maybe that right spot. So that's what I'm looking at with Trey Pimpkins. I'm not a hater, and I think he's still uh, a solid candidate to do well on the O-line. And don't forget, and I've talked about this in the past, O-line and D-line, you know, it's crucial. These guys sometimes come in as a first-round pick, man, and, and they don't do well and they bust out. Sometimes they move positions. A lot of times you'll see tackles go to guards and they do so much better. Um, it happens. And sometimes you'll see guys like a Trey Pipkins or even guys that are uh, low draft, like fifth, sixth, seventh round, or even undrafted free agents come in and they bust ass and they do so well and they're able to uh, to make it on a team and improve so much that they're starters on a team or at least they're swing tackle and guards that have a fundamental position on these teams. So so I look forward to that. I think he has a shot to make it. We'll see. We'll see how everything flies in with that. But that, that's what we're looking at this time. So great movement on the offensive line and free agency to solidify those three spots inside. Uh, of course, the right side is Brian Balaga, which, look, I'm still concerned about. Um, if you if you mention Brian Balaga to me, the first thing I think of him limping off the field gingerly with back spasms and back injuries. And that's not a good thing to think about. But that's what I thought of him all year. Okay. Unfortunately, that's what I saw all year long. And I am hoping, and I'm sure the Chargers are, that that has gone past, that he's re- he's recovered from these injuries to the point that he's able to play uh, at 90 plus uh, percent, right? We never expect 100 percent in the NFL. You're never going to get that because these guys are broken and bruised within one play. But uh, Brian Balaga has got to stay healthy to remain on this team. Just straight up. That's it. It's a second year. He's getting paid 10 plus million uh, yearly. You got to play on that right side. You got to solidify. That's why you came here. And now hopefully with the Corey signing his fellow Green Bay Packer, I think that's going to give a nice little sandwich plug right there between center and right tackle. And hopefully health is good for all of them. And he's able to solidify that and, and make it run for the next two years, which will be awesome. So that brings us to a point. 
uh, second part of free agency or third wave or whatever the place you want to call it, that's going to take place right after this weekend, right? Saturday night, this draft is over. The third day is done with. And by Sunday morning, if not that Saturday night, you're seeing undrafted free agents galore coming in. And then that's when your free agency wave comes in as well. The second tier, third tier free agency wave. All those cats that weren't signed, that are older, that have some injury concerns, uh, that need a second or third uh, lease on life, they're going to be the ones that potentially will be getting picked up. So that's going to be a nice mix to see what's going to happen um, in regards to our depth uh, on the offensive line. I still like Quisenberry, who's on there. He's, he's doing a fabulous job from UCLA. I believe it's his fourth year in, uh, and I think he's doing a good job there as, as a swing guard and center. I'm hoping he uh, continues developing and as part of this line for long term. So great stuff on that end. Um, what do they do? They um, they went ahead and released Hunter, or I should say they did not go after Hunter and Henry, and they did not put a franchise tag on him, uh, and they let him walk. And he did walk. He made some really good money, and he went to New England, uh, obviously, as you know, and now he's joining the, the, uh, the tandem there. Uh, with Johnny Smith, and that's an amazing tandem. I mean, I was thinking, let's get Johnny Smith out here. Let's pay him eight or nine million a year, if maybe maybe ten, because I think he is a stud of a cat, and I think he's going to do so well. And when I heard him get uh, get picked up to New England, I was like, oh my goodness, that that was quick. And then when Hunter went, I was like, wow, this is a recreation uh, of Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski, right? Exactly what New England had years ago. Hey, it worked perfect for them then. Why not do it again? And they've done it because that's going to be an incredible. Uh, tandem they got going on there, and that's going to be the number one, number two. I'm telling you right now. I don't know who else you want to uh, pick out as a receiver at New England because right now those are the two guys. If I'm playing quarterback, if I'm blessed to be back there, if I'm Cam Newton or whoever the new quarterback's going to be this year, I like the fact I got these two big boys here to throw to. So good job on that. But hey, listen, I know it was an unpopular decision for some fans to say why we lost Henry. Let's re-sign him for 11 or 12 a year. You just could not do it. That line has to get uh, strong, and you can recover with a tight end. You can recover, and and that will transition to my Jared Cook uh, signing. Look, Jared Cook comes in on a one-year deal, four and a half million dollars, right? Uh, one third of the of the uh, of the pay you're going to do for Hunter Henry. And now you can say, well, he's 34 years old, and and he's much, you know, he's he's, he's broken down, he can't play. No, he's still a solid tight end. Uh, is he going to play 100% of the offensive snaps? Absolutely not. Uh, you have Donald Parham, you have Steven Alexander, and you're going to get another guy in the draft. Okay, but this is part of a nice grouping of tight ends. He's a big target. He's able to go out for you. He's a receiving tight end who can also play in line if he needs to. But he's your receiving tight end, and he can create some great magic, especially inside the red zone. A big, huge target like that, you want that guy in there. So I liked what they did. They went after a veteran. Would I want a John U. Smith? Absolutely. That would have been my guy number one to target, especially at the price range of what I thought they might get him for, about nine or ten million for maybe three years. I would have done it. But uh, they got him at four and a half for Jared Cook, and I think that's a solid uh, investment for this one-year program because I don't think he's going to go past this year. But I think him uh, being involved with, again, Parham, Alexander, and a future draft pick, I think that's going to be a nice mixture of tight ends for uh, for Justin to go after and, and, and to attack downfield. So, Great job on that. Uh, looking over some of our other free agency uh, pickups, Michael Davis, man, solid. This kid, what a great story, right? Uh, this kid was an undrafted free agent. He comes in and just just breaks his his, his butt working hard, and uh, he gets rewarded. First of all, he became the best corner last year, right, on, on this Charger squad, uh, taking over for Casey. And uh, on the other side, 
gets rewarded with a three years, uh, $25 million contract, which was amazing. That's great for him. What a great story. That's what you want to see, right? You want to see guys coming in that no one expects anything of, and they just they just break it, man. They go out there and they bust every day, and they prove what they're worth. So I'm excited to see how Michael Davis does now with, with a nice fat contract. Hopefully he just gives us even more, and I know he's going to do that. Um, but hey, let's go see what's going to happen in, uh, next time because Casey's gone, right? So that's going to be a big one to get. Uh, a couple other p- uh, pickups that we had: uh, Kyle Fracken, the linebacker, comes in from the Giants, one year, one and a half million. I think it'll be a solid addition on there as well. Um, again, it's only a one-year contract. You're not seeing a hundred percent playability with him, but I think for uh, for certain plays, uh, third downs, some uh, some middle downs, I think you're doing some good stuff with him as a as a pass rushing linebacker or just a pass coverage linebacker. I think he'll do a solid job. Ryan Smith comes in from the Buccaneers as a DB, one year, one and a half million. Let's see how he's going to incorporate within this system as well. And Chase Daniel, nice backup. Uh, Tyler uh, Ty- Tyrod left. Obviously, uh, he's in Houston. He might even be starting this year. Uh, in regards to that, we get Chase Daniel, which I think is a solid backup, did a great job in Kansas City, did a great job in Chicago, and now he's here, and I think he's a nice support staff for Justin. I don't want to see him on the field. I want to see Justin at all times. Obviously, we all do, but a, a nice backup to have with Easton Stick. So I think you're solidified with all three. You're not seeing any quarterbacks being drafted, any quarterbacks being drafted. You've got, a, you've got three all the way through, and your backups are good to go. So we're strong on that end. Moving on to our NFL draft. Look, this is how I'm going to break it down. I, you know, I love listening and watching these guys and reading these articles on on draft projections. And one of the publications uh, that I use is uh, Dane uh, Brogler and his his beast, which he calls it on the Athletic, which has a nice breakdown of 350 top uh, players. Um, a correction. 636 prospects and he does a great job uh providing a scattering report on there and i wanted to go over some of those with you now i love the fact that so many publications so many mock drafts are out there and you're seeing names everywhere you're seeing trades happening and people are picking one through seven all great i'm not going to give you that i don't think that's fair because you know you don't that these gms do not even know what's going to happen after pick one okay they have no clue who's trading they have no clue what what the draft board on the other team looks like, what their chart looks like, what the player situation is. There's going to be surprises. There's going to be some predictions that will go go through. But this is such a fluid draft. Every year it's such a fluid draft. You're not going to be able to uh, trade your pick until you know your guy is there. So for me to tell you in the fourth round, the Chargers will take a running back or the fifth round, that's when our first lineman comes in. You know, that's that's unrealistic to me. And that to me doesn't really work or jive in, in my philosophy of how I want to you know, talk about these players. What I want to do, if you guys hopefully are okay with that, is I want to go round by round and give you my prediction of what what talent is available for us realistically if there's no trade up or trade down and even if we're going to trade i'll even talk about hey look if they trade up here in this round here's what we're looking at okay but if we stay here here's what i'm looking at and i want to talk about positional value i want to talk about you know third round is where i think the tight end's going to go let's say i want to tell you this is a round i think they're going to they're going to maybe look for a running back so i want to talk about that as we go but without you know giving you a concrete here's the running back in the fifth round so hope that works well for you guys you understand what i'm talking about i'm not here to be a, a predictor of all talent but i want to give you a nice breakdown of what i've been reading and seeing uh with many different uh, avenues and and go from there so obviously let's start with a big first round okay we we know this is it and uh in regards to draft ability it's so important because people think think that oh my team has got, this is the needs so we they've got to pick alignment oh my god the lineman is such a black hole we got to get oh we need the quarterback or we need the 
I get it. And with the exception of a quarterback, and only quarterback, with that exception, if your team is in need of a quarterback, that's when you're going to make your pick when you're the top five or top ten to make that pick. Or if you're higher, you want to come down and, and get something, or you know, move up higher, I should say, and get that QB, you're going to do that. Uh, otherwise, the draft has to come to you. And you are picking best talent. Because, yeah, let's give you a hypothetical. So the Chargers need a left tackle, right? No secret there. Uh, Chargers need a cornerback. No secret there. So if in the first round, uh, Panesu is gone, Slater is gone, and they don't believe in Derisaw as being the guy, then the Chargers are, are going to take a, a downshift on that and zig on that instead of zagging, right? And they're going to have to do something else. And if corner is the way to go and, and J.C. Horn is out there and Sertain is out there, great. They're going to have to go ahead and, and hit that route. If those corners are gone and the linemen are gone, well, they're not going to stretch. If they don't like Derisaw, they don't like Derisaw. If they don't think Derisaw is a, a, a first-round, a top first-round talent, then maybe they'll they'll trade down and, and see if they can get them on, on the down cycle. That can happen as well. So there's a number of ways of going at it. But if you're stuck on, hey, my need is is lineman and I've got to go lineman and you pick the fourth best lineman in the first round and you uh, bypass the top edge rusher or bypass the second uh, or third best corner, then I think you're doing your team a disservice. So in regards to that, the first round, I do think it's going to be either left tackle or it's going to be a corner, and just depending on who they have. I think right now the left tackle spot is such a glaring need that our eyes are completely focused on it. I think they're focused on it, and yes, they're in a position that they can obtain that kind of talent. So what are we looking at, obviously? Panay Sewell. Uh, this guy is the number one guy uh, that many critics are saying he's going to be the one that's going. Well, that's great, but you got to also understand that Rashawn Slater is there as well. So that's going to be another point of uh, emphasis in regards to what uh, these Chargers are looking at. So these two are Panay Sewell and Rasan Slater. I mean, these are the bookend guys you're going to want to get. Either going to be uh, your first 10 picks, and I think it might be difficult for them to even slide to 13. So my concern is now, do the Chargers move up in the first round and pick one of these cats up? In a way, I hope they do. It might cost them a first. And I think the only areas they can actually physically go to to get them is going to be number seven uh, with the Detroit Lions or number eight with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and I think at eight, you're kind of worried about the Panthers because they could go tackle route as well, uh, protecting Sam Darnold now. Um, but I think once you move to nine, Denver's not going to trade you picks, okay? And they're going to try to burn you if they do immensely because they're going to go after something. They, they don't want to give you any type of headway. So I think nine is not going to work. Trading within your division doesn't work very well. Number 10 is going to be Dallas. Dallas is in need of offensive tackle and they're in need of corner. So both spots of the Chargers are exactly duplicate on that. So I think there's going to be an issue there. They're not, and they're going to probably take your guy before you are, right? Or at least one of the guys you want. Uh, number 11 is the New York Giants. Same situation. O-line help, and they're going to go after that. And they need corner help. So in the same duplicate problem there, they're going to take one of your guys again. And then, of course, 12 becomes the Eagles with the trade they had with the Dolphins. And now the Eagles are there, and that's a wild card. They can take anything, right? Any of those guys can go. So what you really, as a Charger um, personnel, player personnel, what is Tom Telesco going to do if he wants to insure his guy? He's got to go to seven or eight. And that can cost you a second, a third, a combination of both, or a first-round draft pick next year. So if that's, if, look, if they know their guy, because I don't know their guy. You don't know their guy. All these mock guys and, and all these journalists out there that think they, they, they scout it, they see it, that's great. But you don't talk to these players. Uh, the, you haven't seen the, the war room inside when the Chargers talking to these guys and, and what they're getting from them and what they think about these guys. Um, so in that regards, if they think Rayshon or Rashawn or Pen, uh, Panay are, are the guys to do it, they're going to go up and get them. I think you go up and get them. 
I know people don't like giving draft picks away, but quite honestly, have you seen some of these drafts? Go past and and, and go look at the history of drafts. Look at the first round, second round, and third round. Just take a look at some of these some of these guys' names. You you if you go to the second round, even part of the first round, at least half or more, you will not even recognize names anymore because they don't play in the league. It's a 50-50 uh, spot at best. Okay, the the, the bust uh, potential is 50-50 pretty much in the first round. Okay, so it, I don't mind giving up uh, draft capital to get somebody that I really, my scouts think this is the guy. Okay, and maybe if you get the other guy, yeah, you might have a 60% chance of being the guy. But right now, this is like 90% plus the guy. I'll take the 90% and I'll give up some draft capital. Because you don't need nine players uh, drafted on this team, okay? You might need nine players on a Detroit Lion team or a team that really is hurting right now, like a New York team, right? There are some guys that need to get drafted, and a lot of picks have to go there so you can find some people. But uh, a Charger team like this is, uh, forget the record, they're a talented squad. They're not going to take all nine players to be starters. So they can pick and choose. So long story short, I say uh, they're. I think they're going to be – moving up to get one of these big cats. If not, Christian Derrissaw is there. I don't know how much they like him. Uh, again, six foot four, three twenty two. one of the bigger boys out there as well, just uh, second the largest to uh, Panay Sewell in that top three. Uh, you know, there's, again, some plays that I, I've heard he takes off, and he might not be there all the time. He is a junior coming out, so he's young. Uh, if they like him, if they have confidence in him, he's going to protect it, great, get him at 13. If not, uh, then move up and, and get the big boys you want to get. Some other uh, considerations, if they don't go tackle in the first round, uh, Samuel Cosme is a great player uh, that I've heard about and I've been reading about, so I'm looking forward to see what happens. A big boy out of Texas, he's a redshirt junior at 6'5", 314, ran a blistering 4.8540, and yeah, he's not going to go out there and catch passes from Justin, but having that kind of speed also shows you what kind of footwork he has. So that is crucial to see what's happening on that end. 33-inch arm, uh, arms, which is the uh, same size as Slater and Panay Sewell, and that's really one of the bigger important things out there for arm, uh, arm reach. So I like Samuel Cosme. That's somebody that they can actually move down and pick up in the first or they can try to move up and get him back in the first and the latter part of the first or move up in the second round and pick up so i like cost me a lot i like uh the notre dame kid and you know the chargers are notre dame man they're they're married to each other uh liam eichenberg notre dame uh again slated for the second round he's 66306 and he's a big boy with 32 and 38 uh, arm length as well i like this guy and uh he's gonna do well i think that's another cat to look forward to if they don't pick up panay or uh rayshon and some of the other cats that I saw was uh, Dylan Radunes, who had an excellent senior bowl. Uh, he is projected second to third round pick, mainly second, and he's from North Dakota State. Uh, redshirt senior, uh, 6'5", 300, uh, strong, strong kid. I like him, and I think he's got a really good shot to play as well, and that might be a good one to move down to as well and pick up. And lastly, uh, I like Walker Little, and he is from Stanford, 6'7", 313. A little slower, about a 5'2", on the 40, uh, but again, long stretch of arms 33 and three quarter arms that could be another potentially great pick to have so nice nice uh nice tackles to choose it's such a rich tackle draft we're not going to go wrong we're going to get one of these guys either in the first or second it'll be and maybe even come back in a third and pick up another tackle because you need that uh, in this draft you're going to need two tackles as we talked about right trey pipkins is not bought and paid for we don't know how he is and we know that brian balaga is only a year-to-year prospect and he can move next year and he's gone so getting two tackles is crucial and i definitely think that's happening 
uh, in the first first two days, uh, at the very minimal of the last day. But I think first two days with the four picks that we have, I see two linemen off the board. Moving on to the second round, I really think the cornerback population is going to be where we're going to go with, with the exception of J.C. Horn. If Horn is available in that first round and both Slater uh, and uh, Sewell are taken. I can see them taking J.C. Horn, and that's a stud of a guy, and they're going to take him if that if he's out there, and I wish they do. If that's the case, great. Now we switch over and try to get those tackles late in the first round with a trade-up or in the second. Now, let's just stay consistent. Let's just say first round is taken by the tackles, and we're looking at the second round, or again, moving up to get some other kids. Again, if they move back in the first round, Greg Newsom from Northwestern is uh, deemed a first rounder. He's six foot, one hundred ninety two, four point three eight, uh, forty. The guy's fast, guy's clutch, and he really is strong. And I, I, I like him a lot. I think he'll do really well. Some great stats on him, just to go over it. Um, you know, a three-year starter, and he had 71 tackles, um, no sacks, 25 passes defended with one INT. Had a first-team All-Big Ten, led Big Ten in, uh, in passes defended back in 2020. Uh, so just really strong candidate. I, I like him a lot. So if we're able to come back in the first round and get somebody like a Greg Newsome, I think he's gone within the next first first 15 to 20. Another uh, corner that's been associated with the Chargers a lot, you've been hearing his name a lot, is Asante Samuel uh, Jr. And I think that's somebody they've been trying to, to work with and trying to come back and pick up from Florida State. Uh, great four-year player. Uh, his totals uh, for the, for the four years was 96 tackles, uh, three tackles for losses, one forced fumble, 33 passes defended with four INTs. And he was a team captain back in 2020, led the team in INTs. So great stuff with that one. Um, so, and he only played partially. He opted out of the 2020 season games after eight games. So, you know, in eight games, he had nine passes defended, which is really nice. Anyhow, if they're able to come back in the first round, I think this potentially can be a second round issue as well. If they're able to, to swing some uh, deals there and give up a, a, a third rounder and their own second round to come back early in the second and pick up Asante Samuel, I would imagine he'll be available for him there. Unless they really want him in the first, they can go back and, and pick him up in the, in the first. So that's a couple players on that end that I think have some some great viability for us. Um, another corner that I really am uh, liking is Ifat, Ifiatu uh, Milifonwu from Syracuse, and you know six foot two, two hundred five. Uh, third team all ACC, uh, redshirt junior, and solid kid. Uh, his stats from 2020 were 55 tackles, three tackles for losses. He had a sack. He had 10 passes defended and one INT. And the year prior, he also had 10 passes defended with two INTs. So the kid's a solid player, and I like him. And his size is strong too. So I, I do like what what he's doing, what he uh, comes up with. Uh, he's slated for a second round draft pick. So. If that's another one that we can come up to and pick up, or if he just falls to us, that's great. But that's somebody as well that should be on the radar. Uh, I like the aggressiveness, and I think he'll bring he'll bring that style from Syracuse to the Chargers and be a nice uh, nice addition to that DBs. Another player I like is Aaron Robinson from UCF, and he brings in the 5'11", 186 pounds, smaller frame uh, a frame guy that comes in, um, but but solid kid again, looking at a second or third round type talent um, that can provide some some uh, some strong capabilities as well. He had 109 tackles uh, in his four year stint and uh, seven and a half tackles for losses. Two forced fumbles, 21 passes defended, solid. And that's pretty much from his 19 and 20 years. In 2019, he had 13 passes defended. In 2020, he had seven. So I like these kind of nice coverage backs that come in. He was picked for both years in a row for UCF second team all ACC, or correction, all AAC. 
so some some nice talent coming in that they can still grab in the latter part of second round if that's the case. Uh, my last two uh, players would be Elijah Molden from Washington, a Pac-12 kid that looks strong and he can come in for us as well. And Trey um, Brown from Oklahoma at 5'9", 185. Again, same structure. Once you go down a little bit lower, I think you're seeing a lot a lot more smaller built players that, you know, that scares you, right? Because Jason Vrett comes to mind for me. He was a smaller frame guy, exceptionally explosive. What a fun guy to watch in college. But unfortunately, after his TCU years, uh, just every type of injury for his leg injuries. You can He came in with shoulder injuries, right, when he got drafted. And he sat out for a while. And then the knees and the Achilles just destroyed his career. Luckily, he's rejuvenated in San Francisco. But these are some of the things you kind of worry about for some reason for smaller backs. Uh, Trey Brown is only 5'9", 185, as I mentioned. Uh, but again, solid career, four-year player, 141 tackles. Uh, this guy's not, not not scared to put his head down there. Eight and a half TFLs, uh, two sacks, 35 passes defended. Um, solid 2020 season. And again, even his 2018 and 19 seasons just had 12 pass breakups on in each of those. Just solid. Uh, so these are good kids that can come in and contribute and have a chance to make this team. Third round would be another area where uh, you're looking at maybe a lineman again to get picked up, some more corners to get picked up, or even uh, this might be a really good time to get your edge player uh, because this is where your your last uh, your loss for Melvin Ingram comes in, right? You don't have the guy yet, I don't think, to, to replace that. Isaac Rochelle also walked, right? So we need to make sure we get somebody in here. Of course, the first round uh, talent like Rousseau or Phillips from uh, of Miami, um, they're going to be gone. Unless you're moving up and to pick them up, they're going to be gone. So realistically, second or third round, what are we looking at? Uh, we're looking at a Carlos Basham, maybe, if we get lucky, from Wake Forest, 6'3", 274. Again, uh, more of a first down to a second round draft pick. But if, if there's some movement out there that they're going to go edge or they move down, the Chargers move down from their 13th spot, these are some of the talent that we're looking at. Again, Russo and Phillips, as I mentioned, from Miami are both six foot five to six foot six kids, both in 260 pound range, explosive cats, explosive cats. So those are fun guys to get. And again, your tackle is not there and your corner's not there. Uh, first round, Tom Telesco can say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and get my edge pass rusher. I'm going to get my guy that's going to make an impact on the team. And and some of the fans are going to go, oh, wait, that's not what we want. That's not what we need. That's the last thing we need right now. But that's what the board is going to call for. So if you see a Jalen Phillips um, or you see uh, a, you know, a, a Aziz Ujulari from Georgia or Quiddy Pay from Michigan, these are first-round talent that you cannot pass up for a third or fourth or fifth guy. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing if that does happen, how exciting that would be as well. But you got to make sure you can come back, get your tackles, because without it, you're going to get rocked. Uh, but these are some of the guys that maybe down the line, again, Basham is also a second round uh, projected pick. Um, we're looking at one of the guys I like is is Deo Odeingbo. And that's a tough one for me to say, but Odeo Odeingbo from Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt is just a tough tough player. He's projected in the third round. He's 6'5", 285. Don't have a 40 speed on him. Uh, but again, solid player uh, from Vandy, going up against some really really strong talent. Uh, and his uh, combine w- was strong. Um, in regards to his four-year um, stats, 125 tackles, 31 TFLs, so really good playmaker. 
uh, 12 sacks, one forced f- uh, fumble, four passes defended, one INT. So I love that 31 uh, TFLs and that 12 sacks. That's what you want. 2020 season, he was second team all SEC as he led the team in tackles for losses with eight, including five and a half sacks. So it was one of his better years uh, on that front. So I like to see that in the third round, quite honestly. Uh, Deo sounds like a like a Charger, um, Melvin Ingram-esque type player that can come in and give a nice bookend uh, for Bosa. So those are, those are some of the picks that I'm looking at for uh, for defensive end-wise. Uh, if you want to go much later in, in the rounds, if they're looking maybe at the fourth or fifth side or even sixth, uh, looking at some nice players like Chris Rump from Duke, uh, Joshua uh, Kendall from Florida State. And if, if, when we go back to Notre Dame and, and, and uh, tap their toes in there in that pool once again, Ade Ogundeje uh, is a nice, strong player. Uh, you know, targeted for the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Six for four, 260, has a 478 speed. These guys, again, if you're not calling them out to do to be like full-time starters and, and to expect the world out of them, but you bring them in there as part of a nice trio uh, coming in and making this pass rush um, capabilities and setting them up and, and, and getting them ready, these guys, are they have uh, the football characteristics you need to play in these kind of positions and to thrive. And I think um, if you're not expecting instantaneous results and you want to work with these guys and have them second, third year to stand out. Uh, just like Anwasu. Look at Anwasu. He's It's his, what, fourth year now, and he's finally going to show us full-time starting uh, capabilities. Uh, it, it takes that time sometimes, so that's okay. I, I don't mind waiting for strong talent to happen. So those are some of the edge rushers that I'm looking at that potentially can can uh, be a, a charger for so I was mentioning offensive guards are going to be essential in this draft. Uh, that's that's key. I think we're going to look at you know potentially uh, moving over for Abushi's role uh, and and getting some more depth as well. Uh, so some of the guys I was looking at for again, I don't think these these interior linemen will be in play before the third round. I don't see it. I think there's much more to be had there. But Wyatt Davis is one guy I'm looking at from Ohio State who's looking at a, maybe a second or third round grade, 6'3", 315. Um, looks strong. Uh, Trey Smith from Tennessee at 6'5", 320. A player like Sedarius Hutcherson from South Carolina, sixth or seventh round draft pick, redshirt senior, 6'3", 321. Bigger cat. Uh, but these guys are able to uh, to possibly niche a career and, and do some really good things. Tommy Kramer from Notre Dame, also a guy that hasn't really been touted as much, but he's looking at maybe a priority free agent or even sixth, sixth or seventh round draft pick, 6'5", 310. You know how much the Chargers love to go to Notre Dame and, and get players out of there. So these are guys you're looking at. Even uh, a, a cat like Bryce Hargrove from Pittsburgh, Richard Sr., 6'3", 310 pounds. Again, you're looking at potentially a sixth, seventh round draft pick, maybe a potential free agent. But that's what you're looking at to get some uh, some guys to, to bring up and some d- developmental issues and maybe even able to take over uh, the following year. Moving on to tight ends, uh, I think this is going to get addressed more in the third round and, and below. And I think Brevin Jordan is one of the cats I really do enjoy watching. And I thought he had a great career in Miami of Florida. He's six foot two, two fifty, out of Las Vegas. Played at uh, Bishop Gorman. Yeah, Brevin Jordan had a uh, a nice three year career uh, at uh, at Miami. Uh, One hundred five receptions throughout his career, over thirteen hundred yards with uh, thirteen touchdowns. And in twenty twenty, he was second team All ACC, and he missed three games. 
doesn't have the blistering speed uh, that you'd really want, but uh, with a 4.67 in the 40 that he timed up in his pro day, I mean, still solid, solid type of receiving tight end that I think the Chargers can, can go with. I think it's very, very flexible, great body control, and looks like a, a good-looking pickup uh, if they can do that. Of course, Tommy Trumbull, uh, Notre Dame, uh, great-looking kid, big boy, 6'3", 241, able to block really well as well, and, and you know, he can still go out and make... You know, he's not, he's not your receiving tight end per se right only 35 receptions total in his uh, really two-year career he's a redshirt sophomore uh 35 receptions 400 yards four touchdowns so there is room to grow with tommy trumbull i think you're, you're getting it more on potential and what you're going to bring with it uh ran a 4 6 40 uh, at that at that height and weight so good looking kid that can actually continue growing and becoming a, a better pro than he did as a college player uh some other guys at tight end to look at just to talk about some potentiality of of what kind of players that can be had you know i like ucf a lot that team is strong and i like jacob harris they have they have some great skill players man and and this kid's about 24 years old a little older redshirt uh, senior and he comes in after redshirting out of western kentucky had a four-year career at ucf his last two in 2019 and 2020 uh, were more impactful. Quite honestly, the 2020 year was the most successful with, with eight touchdowns. He did have 30 uh, receptions at 539 yards uh, this last year with eight touchdowns. So I like his physicality at, at, at six foot five, uh, 219, uh, good looking kid, and ran a uh, 4440. So I think brings that athleticism uh, that I think is solid. And that's going to be, uh, again, uh, maybe a fourth or fifth round uh, draft pick. That's something that can slide yet uh, be viable as part of this tight end uh, uh, group that we have building up here uh, with the Chargers. One of the uh, dark horses that I've seen is this Zach Davidson get out of Central Missouri, 6'6", 245. Um, and this kid was also a punter. Uh, but this last year in 20, I should say 2019, uh, he did have 40 receptions at 894 yards with 15 touchdowns. And that was pretty solid as, as well as being the punter on that team. He was first team All-American, first team All-MIAA for punter and tight end. So kind of a pretty pretty crazy dynamic, but I like what he's bringing in. Um, did have his pro day at 6'6", 245. Big boy ran a 4'6", 2". I like it. That's somebody you can bring in as a uh, undrafted free agent, or maybe you can give it a sixth or seventh round draft pick and, and see what happens. That's a that's a project that can really earn some good stuff. Reminds me of a Donald Parham situation, right? That that's some somebody well, you love that kind of skill set, and if you can bring it all together, you can you can possibly dominate. So some of these uh, names I'm mentioning could be potential uh, potential chargers for us this weekend. Finishing off with uh, with safety and receiver. I got to tell you, for receiver-wise, you know, there's so many good-looking receivers all the way through, um, but there's one that sticks out for me because he's a running back, and that's Dimitrik Felton from UCLA, who is now targeted as a wide receiver slash running back utility road, uh, role. Something that Joe Reed was was uh, drafted last year with as well with us, and I, and I like that. I like those kind of players. I've watched UCLA live, and he is just... He's an amazing player, and if he's undersized, right? He's an undersized guy, but what what can bring you in that playing field is very Marshall Falk esque in regards to playing in space. He ran well through the tackles as well. This could be a, a mini version of Austin Eckler, and I like that. Um, so that's going to be somebody to keep my eyes on, and I'm hoping fifth, sixth round. That's going to be a potential uh, pickup for the Chargers. They do like UCLA. And I think bringing him in, bringing him in, 
would be a would be a strong um, competition for that running back group. And he's only uh, again his redshirt senior at five eight one ninety. His four uh, six speed, uh, just under four six in the forty, wasn't something to write home about. But he's such a productive player. He makes you miss. He uh, he works through tackles. He's not the first, and first person's not tackling him, right? He's one of those guys that gives that effort and brings it all the way together. And look, I'm a little biased on UCLA, but I, I thought he did such a great job last year in 2020 with only six games. He started only five of them, 132 carries at 668 yards with five touchdowns, but he also caught 22 passes for 159 with three touchdowns. So I thought he did a really good job last year in bringing it all together. So that's, again, it's somebody that hasn't been used much in the college game, smaller stature player, uh, but potential of 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 working out well and having a role on a team. So that would be fun to watch and, and see how it goes on that end. Other receivers to consider, again, I don't see them, I don't see the Chargers, you know, reaching out to grabbing these receivers early on in. One guy I like a lot uh, later in the rounds. Again, they're looking at a second or third round uh, a round type of pick form based on the athletic is Amon Ray St. Brown uh, from USC. Of course, his brother also plays in, in the league. Uh, he's a junior uh, coming out 5'11", 197, 459 speed, but a um, solid player. Uh, I like the way he works. That'd be somebody really nice to get later on in the draft. I think he brings a nice skill set with him. Of course, players like Elijah Moore uh, from Ole Miss. You have Terrence Marshall, LSU. Ronald Moore from Purdue. Uh, Deami Brown, uh, Mari Rogers. Some solid players uh, that can that can play in this game and I think transition well into the league. Finishing off with safeties, I'm looking at a guy like Javon Holland from Oregon, uh, six foot, two hundred and seven pounds. Um, nice career. Only played two years in Oregon, opted out last year, had 110 tackles, four and a half TFLs with 19 passes defended, honorable mention all Pac-12 back in 2019. Solid player. Uh, I like guys like this that can come in. And, you know, Pac-12 is one of those teams uh, that passes a lot, I think. And and it's fun to see these DBs coming in with that kind of a skill set that they've been working on in, in that area. So I think he's a, he's a good cat. Another player I like to look at is uh, Divine Diablo. And Divine is a six foot three, two hundred and twenty six pound safety. He's a big boy coming in, and he's had a uh, a five year career. Uh, he redshirted one of the seasons. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. Two hundred and six tackles all the way through. Twelve and a half tackles for losses. Uh, Seventeen passes defended. So generally, the last year in twenty twenty uh, had fifty five tackles. Uh, had only uh, actually has the best year with eight passes defended. He was also selected first team All ACC team captain, and and he led in in pass defend uh, defended and also interceptions with four. So I think that's a great skill set, big boy. And I think um, I think Staley can use him as interchangeable in the box safety and and uh, uh, dime. Um, dime linebacker or, or dime uh, safety coming in so that would be nice uh his pro his pro day came in this was kind of blistering at six foot three at 226 pounds like i mentioned he ran a 444 i like that he's a big boy that can that can move and especially special team wise you want it you want that guy you want that guy flying down the field as the gunner and he's going to be taking somebody down so I, I like that a lot speed and toughness is strong again that might be a they're project, projecting more of a third to fourth round, but maybe you can grab that with one of your uh, your uh, second, th- uh, third round picks or maybe sneak them out in the fourth round and grab them that way. That's it, folks. That's what I'm looking at. So again, first round, just to summarize this lengthy uh, names that I threw your way and positional importance that I threw away. 
First round is going to be most probably our tackle or corner spot. Again, I think 85% tackle on that side. But again, if a J.C. Horn um, uh, is there, and I think you might have an opportunity uh, to go corner. But I think most probably they're going to get themselves one of their top, top tackles. Second round, I see more of a corner situation happening there. Get a DB locked in. I think third round is where the tight end play comes in. I think at that point, you're also looking at a, a second tackle or a guard, especially with the richness that we have in tackle this uh, this year and so hard to get strong tackle help. I think it would be wise to get back in that third round and maybe even move a few picks around and bring them back up in the second round uh, and get an, another tackle to bookend on the right side. That would be beneficial. Uh, fourth round is where you're going to maybe see the uh, edge rusher at that point. Uh, get these guys that haven't had a rich career uh, like you know, in, in college ranks but have that potential that we talked about. Uh, they have the, the body uh, that's going to work well in the NFL. They have the smarts to work it as well. So I think you're going to bring that athletic kid that really hasn't been polished in the, in the uh, college uh, ranks, especially maybe not going to a big school that's been exposed to a lot of different offenses. I think that would be nice to get. So maybe fourth round be a nice potential athletic pickup for an edge. Uh, I think the fifth round is where you're looking at maybe a Felton coming up from UCLA, getting that wide receiver uh, with some speed and and able to take that top off the defense. You know, everybody wants a Tyree kill, right? It's hard to get, but sometimes you get really lucky. And I think these are some of the players that we're seeing. It's a rich receiver draft this year, and some guys are going to drop. So this is where you're looking at maybe potentially getting those. I think that's also a good round for a safety that we talked about, uh, getting some of these safeties out of the Pac-12 or some of the ones that we mentioned that might be, might be uh, dripping down a little bit. We can maybe pick up on those linebacker is also essential um, on this uh, on this defense so that might be something to look at on this new 43 defense so that's going to be something to look at as well and I think running back is going to be another uh, area that might be picked up if not in the uh, sixth or seventh round maybe as an un- un- uh, undrafted free agent and again uh, Austin Eckler and uh, Joshua Kelly are there I think Justin Jackson you know the injury issues that we've had with uh, with Justin has been immense and I don't think he's going to make it through uh, after this year I think there, I don't think there's going to be a contract extension based on that unless he has a phenomenal year and is able to stay relatively injury free I think you're seeing another young back coming in as well of course Darius Badwell uh, was on this team and, and I think he has a shot to, to make it again but again I don't I, I could see a running back coming into play as well so that's it that's what we're looking at for this time around um, enjoy the draft it's going to be pretty awesome pretty exciting to see what happens here um, in a little while and, and see where we're going to go with that first round pick and see if we're moving up and down these draft boards it should be fun with the second day since we have what a second round pick and two third round selections so uh four picks in the first 100 that's going to be nice to get um of course the third day is going to be some some stuff that we can get some gems and we're looking at what uh, a fourth round pick uh one fifth round pick and two sixes uh based on a desmond king trade we had last year and a seventh round pick so enjoy it have fun i want to break it all down again next week we'll do the the draft breakdown and see what we got and and see how that looks and and how this roster is coming together exciting times of 2021 uh chargers i appreciate everybody uh, stay on board with us I want to make sure we thank our man across the glass, and that is Tyrell Mad Dog Wiggins. Thank you for taking care of us, buddy. I appreciate you. And, of course, Mr. Kevin McLeod, uh, we appreciate your music for Strength of the Titans and the Ice Giants. You can find Kevin at filmmusic.io. That's going to do it for us today. Enjoy your draft weekend. We'll catch you soon. My name is D. Malconian. This is Extreme Voltage. We'll catch you next time. Take care.